Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice, Dice in, in My Mind. You know, when we started doing the podcast, we were always wondering how um, we would get ourselves out there to um, garner some listenership. Yeah. And one of the first things we did was, um, and it wasn't early on, but we jumped on Twitter. We, and We did. And we found a phenomenal gaming and role-playing community out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... We were able to connect and see, and you, you, we were, we were light to moderate Twitter users and maybe I'm being. I was a a not Twitter user at all up until you convinced me to move on to Twitter for the sake of the podcast. Yeah, I was a light user, but one of the first things we did was we started following people who um, like Star Trek and Star Wars and things like that. The bread and butter. (laughs) Yeah. One of the first things that, um, and, and. It wasn't intentional, uh, but one of the first things that caught our attention was after um, the Discovery episode um, where mm-hmm. um, we saw for really the first time in the Trek universe a discussion around mental health. Oh, a, a good, accurate discussion, a representation of it, yes. Yeah, and and with your background, you, you saw that very clear and, and really – I saw it from a visceral perspective. You saw it from a very clear perspective and brought it up. Now, as as a as just a, a point of history, because it's funny sometimes how things circle back. Yeah. This this episode, and we're going to explain what we're doing in a moment. But yeah. this episode is going to release on December twelfth of twenty twenty two. You are referring to our episode that came out on twelve twenty 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 one. So almost unintentionally, almost to the year, uh, we started having this conversation that we're about to pursue and we're just waiting for the right time. Yeah. Yeah. And this was the episode and you remember it a little bit clearer than I do. Um, There we saw a lot of Wilson Cruz's character in Discovery. Dr. Culbert. Mm -hmm. Dr. Culbert um, providing, in effect, in therapy the single best scene if you will of of psychotherapy i have ever seen on any screen see and we there was already a discussion about it on twitter but we kind of we kind of appended onto that discussion just because mm-hmm. it was so fascinating and some of mm-hmm. our And again, I don't want, this is not what it's about, but some of our tweets related to that were the highest viewed and triggered tweets that we had had. And, and in, I mean, it it didn't hurt that, uh, that Mr. Cruz retweeted us, uh, for which we will always be, always be grateful. But, um, yeah, we, by an order of magnitude or two orders of magnitude, the response to that tweet or set of tweets um, yeah, and for us, it was off the charts. And I think that, Brad, is what demonstrated for us there was more than, yes. uh, no pun intended here, but there was more than a thread of of interest around mental health and a desire for mental health in the RPG and adjacent Twitter community, but that there was so much going on. And, and now, 
as we are approaching the quote-unquote holiday season, right? Whatever you believe or don't believe, practice or don't practice, irrelevant. As we're approaching in a country like the States, and certainly for many places around the world, this quote-unquote holiday season, um, there's a lot of mental health chatter that we're seeing in our Twitter communities. And um, yeah, this is full circle. And it's always it's and people aren't what I am finding is in the in this community, people aren't afraid to talk about it. And I think that's right. why it's visible to us um, as late bloomers into the gaming community, later yeah, bloomers yeah. into Twitter. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of areas of Twitter that are um, very alpha esque in terms of having yeah, it's a good way to put it superiority and, and everything like that. This is a very, a very open community. And this is one of the topics that regularly comes up. Yes. Um, and I then you and I talked about it. And like you said, just because we're approaching this season and regardless of whether you celebrate or not, it's the end of a calendar year. Yep. And that traditionally also triggers emotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought it would be a good idea to talk about this. Um, you know, you obviously, we have our backgrounds, different backgrounds related to this. You obviously are, uh, you know, you have a background that lends towards this. (laughs) So it, it would be, it would, it would be, I think it would be remiss. And you, you, you said it, it, we we both agreed it would be, we would be, it would be remiss if we didn't talk about it. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's get into it with a bit of a disclaimer uh, and a bit of an explanation. So uh, Brad and I are going to spend this, our 80th episode as part one of the discussion and next week episode 81 will be part two that we're calling mental health at the table and over these couple episodes with all of you our dear listeners we want to explore the needs and potentials for mental health and mental health care right self-care if you will um at the table adjacent to the table um just to continue helping the dialogue to move forward now here's the disclaimer um some of you already know this but if you don't uh, i am a psychologist uh i'm a licensed psychologist uh in in my home state i don't practice Uh, i have for a long time been almost entirely a research psychologist but that said i have a clinical background Brad and I want to be crystal clear that nothing we're going to talk about in this episode or the next episode in any way, shape, or form constitutes therapy. It doesn't constitute clinical advice. It doesn't constitute recommendations. We are speaking to you now as part of a kindred community where where we, perhaps especially me, have a background of relevance. And so it allows us to talk about this and hopefully just help our community move forward toward greater mental health, or at least as the holiday season approaches, greater mental resilience for one and all. And so, um, you know, take it or leave it. Uh, We won't be offended either way, although we would love to hear from you, be it on email or on Twitter. We we offer the upcoming discussion in a moment and next week uh, in the spirit of just greater wellness of everyone and society as a whole and global society as a whole becoming more hale and more whole. So with that, let's get into it. Yeah. So you had mentioned some, you had mentioned this early on and we've talked about it in it 
we've talked about it, but we get so busy we don't talk about it deeper. Yeah. You had said that um, that episode of Discovery yeah. with psychotherapy mm-hmm. um, was one of the most accurate. What did you find? And we're going to get into kind of the table stuff, but that was really kind of the precursor for it. Yeah, it was. What in general, without crossing any lines did, no. did that did it attract attention to you just in terms of how accurate it was you know um yeah that's a good question uh it was several things uh as someone who again back in the day provided yeah. a fair amount of therapy for any number of issues um but but lots of bread and butter issues which clinically simply means people struggling with depression and or anxiety Right, whether they've crossed the threshold to a diagnosis or not, whatever. People who are struggling, people who are hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it looked and sounded and felt very familiar. So specifically, uh, from, from my perspective, how I was trained and how I used to practice, um, low lights, right? It was, and, and of course you had, you know, I never had mood music going on in the background during sessions, but yeah. obviously, you know, there was, an, uh, there was an auditory musical patina in the background to help people get there. I mean, that's just good, good filmmaking, but the low lights and, and the, the, the relaxed visual presentation, uh, right. I, I never ever had overhead lights on when I was in session with someone. I don't, I don't now. I don't do that with students when they come to the office. I don't do that. I mean, here in my home office, right. It's, it's not overhead fluorescents aren't the most helpful thing humanity has ever invented for peace of mind and and i mean really and so visually i remember when the scene began i thought oh okay this looks about right there this isn't like bedside triage and sick bay when you know there's pew pew outside so all, all right from the beginning visually yes this looks like a potentially healing environment or at least it's settling for most people. And then, uh, you know, this was the scene, I believe, with Tilly. Again, it's been a year. I'm going to have to go back actually and watch it again because it was so yeah. well done. But it's, it was with Tilly. And um, they were facing each other, but not entirely directly. And, right, that's therapy 101. You, you almost never sit, you know, 90 degrees, or I should say, you almost never sit zero degrees, right? Like 180, I should say, from your from your patient, from your client, you, you provide a little interpersonal space for them to either, you know, address you or not. And so just, just those little proxemics were pretty close, I thought, to the norm of practice. And what really stood out to me was just how darn empathic Dr. Culber was. And non-coercive. And I'll, I'll unpack those really quickly, and then I'll stop being boring. Uh, empathic. Uh, It's important to remember sympathy is being able to, to, to um, feel for someone. It's very common societally and it borders on useless. No one Ah. heals because people are sympathetic. Empathy on the other hand is the ability to recognize the other person's emotional state. And then ideally reflect that recognition so there dr culber was right there wilson cruz was doing this masterful job really of nodding along of listening of gently reflecting and sometimes nudging 
verbally. And that brings me to that other point and my last point of non-coercive therapy, um, which is an, it, it's an extrapolation of, of, of non-directive, but taking a non-coercive stance is very much, or was very much my jam, as they say, of leading, but leading gently. Of, of you don't, uh, good therapy is a lot of listening on behalf, uh, to, to the individual, on behalf, the therapist does a lot of listening. And sometimes challenges, and sometimes redirects, and sometimes questions for clarification, but always empathically, always gently. And so um, it was all there. It, it was all there. And importantly, there wasn't any great breakthrough at the end of the scene. And that yeah. might sound a little disappointing, but, but, you know, psychotherapy tends not to work when it does with great breakthroughs. A person typically does the majority of their mental health work between sessions right yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like going to class you go to class so that you get the data download and the notes and you can ask questions but then you have to study for the next week until your next class i mean as as my father has said to me countless times um all therapy is really education and so just all of these things clicked with that scene and then there was a later one i think um i'm sorry everyone i don't remember if it was the same episode or a, a the next episode, but where you had Dr. Culber uh, counseling uh, Saru. And it was also very good. But but that one scene, that one therapy scene with with uh, Culber and Tilly, really, uh, I thought, okay, is it is it perfect? Well, well, no, but it doesn't have to be. But to show such a massive audience as Star Trek fans and and other you know, uh, other people who watch it, uh, maybe because their husbands took the TV and the remote and are watching in the living room. But regardless, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know anything about that, but um, it was just done so well and it really looked and felt and sounded like a legit therapy session. So, sorry, long answer, but I, it, but that's what got us started. Like you and I talked about this offline a year ago. And, and no sooner did we talk about it offline that there was a large, there was a large response. Oh my god! To this yes. online, and, yeah, online, and 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 it was a there was a groundswell response, and obviously, folks such as myself didn't necessarily <clears throat> grasp the 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 realistic components to that episode, but it triggered something in people, and yeah. and there was this groundswell of discussion of people talking about in general terms, because it's Twitter, it's, you know, hundred and some, 200 some characters. You can't have a diatribe in, in Twitter unless you break it up. But um, people within the character limit showing, um, showing their own empathy and solidarity. And often their own pathology, often yeah. being very open, although not inappropriately so, no. regarding their own struggles with anxiety, depression, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I can't say, obviously I'm, I can only speak from observation. I am not a clinician. So there's the disclaimer for that. I have no bearing or no. You ability. did once stay in a holiday inn. I did. I That's did. So and I a red roof. I'm a red roof, but oh, I don't know. If, I, yeah. yeah. I don't know if yeah. one's better than the other. Um, 
there seems to be um, a growing foundation of clinicians and researchers who are looking at mm-hmm. gaming, role-playing, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. tabletop gaming mm-hmm. as a means of therapy mm-hmm. for folks. And mm-hmm. I wonder, maybe rhetorically, that, and I think this goes, I think for those of, I think for a lot of people, this kind of, they, there's some basic understanding. There is some therapy when you, when it comes to gaming, when it comes to role-playing gaming. Yeah. Especially the, the, certainly the potential for it. Yeah. And, and so that I found that intriguing when people were responding to that episode. And now that we got attuned to it and watch the community, watch the community mm-hmm. and watch the, um, the tweets coming through mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. even predating that and now post dating that. Yeah. Um, people are very open in talking about that. And I just maybe more rhetorical, maybe you have an observation on this. Um, this community is open. People are open to talking about it. Mm-hmm. We've had guests like Dr. Megan Connell on. Yep. I was just thinking of her. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about this. There is obviously some attraction to gaming. Let's just mm-hmm. call it tabletop gaming. Like, like there's the, I'm sorry, there's the, the, the company or the nonprofit, right? The treatment center, if you will, who has quite the Twitter presence, right? Game to grow, right? There are a number of these organizations of psychologists and therapists who are doing this work. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, <clears throat> there is a need for people to find outlets. Yep. Yep. And it seems like this community and this pastime, this hobby, Mm-hmm. Um, for many, this their occupation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there is seems to be a positive. There's a positive effect that that our hobby, and for those that listen, have on mm-hmm. people's mental health. I know this personally, but um, I'm curious. And again, this isn't an interview of you. I'm, and we've talked about this a bit, but I'm also just for full disclosure. I didn't tell Jason I was going to ask these questions. It's just, this is an organic discussion and I'm lucky I have someone on with your background. So this is not an interview. It's just more, I kind of lean on your experience. Um, just out of curiosity, generally speaking, I could offer my insight, but what do you think attracts or what do you think is therapeutic about this type of activity? Um, especially as we approach the holiday season. Yeah, this the is- holiday season. Man, I don't know, Brad. I, I, you know, you and I have talked a bit about this in the past. I've been wondering about this. Uh, I will be the first to say I'm no expert on this, and I'm probably the wrong one to ask. That said, here are my hypotheses. Here are my off-the-cuff thoughts, and not not so off-the-cuff thoughts too. Um, I think one of the one of the healthiest things we can do, one of the healthiest things we can have in our lives, is someone who someone with whom we can identify yes as um as a model um for example this is a little off topic but stay with me everybody um when we look at the research around the racial achievement gap in schools what we find is one of the if not the most important factor for for black and brown kids moving through school successfully 
in a systemically racist system is there was someone at that school with whom they identified with whom they could like in whom they could see themselves it and it doesn't matter according to the research if it's a principal a teacher a janitor a coach it's irrelevant if it looks like we can belong then there's potential for growth there's the potential for learning there's a potential for healing and i think when we look at role-playing games especially tabletop but i mean this certainly applies to you know computer and whatnot as well but let's look at let's look at D. let's look at star wars let's look at pathfinder let's look at star trek let's look at most of them all the big ones yeah. and look at the patina of people and peoples yes. that are in them right i mean my god they all thrive by definition on representing a ridiculously broad range of ideas it's i mean hell star trek's concept the vulcan concept of idic infinite diversity and infinite combinations it it was intentionally developed by roddenberry to force the point of look there are an infinite innumerable number of perspectives on the world we should be engaging with all of them and then and then vetting them right so i think one thing is in a lot of these games we can see ourselves or we can see who we'd like to become. Yes. Right? Like, I, you know, I, I like playing. I haven't done this much, but like in D&D, even though I play a fighter with you, I always want to play a wizard in the background because I would love to be a wizard. Why? Because to me, that's a D&D Jedi. Okay. Different, so, different well, conversation. Let me, let me ask a question. And if, if it, to, to play off of that, yeah. does that mean that you have some sort of inherent need to be Fred Rogers? I thought it was Fred Rocher. It, well, Fred I, Rocher. I, it was Fred Rocher in the context of the game. Now it works to my benefit to use the name Fred Rogers. Yeah, now it works. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't think I do. But but to your point, actually, because you brought me to the second of the two points in response to your comment or question of why do I think, why do we think, why does anyone think this might work? So one is, I think, just being able to identify, right? And I'll just say uh, Wizards' recent announcement uh, that they're finally dropping race uh, in D&D 1. That's, I mean, A, way overdue. Catch up, people. B, that's awesome, because it means it will be that much easier for more of us to identify in the ways that are meaningful for us in the game. Very closely paralleled is just the fact that we're talking about role-playing. Yeah. Right? Uh, a tried-and-true therapeutic technique I'm not saying this is like representative of what you do every day, but a tried and true therapeutic technique is role playing, uh, especially through specific things like the empty chair technique of, okay, let's say that I've got an issue with, you know, this parent. Mm-hmm. So in session, the therapist says, okay, pretend that they are in that other chair, which is empty. Mm-hmm. I want you to have a conversation with them and then we'll talk about it. And I'll ask they you some that, questions. That's, that's gestalt therapy, right? Is it can right? be, but it's, yeah, okay. very good. It can be, but it's not limited to it. Okay. Right? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But it's literally role-playing. Literally mm-hmm. role-playing. And so, you know, in all these games, especially at the table, especially I wonder if these days, somewhere amidst this pandemic of being on Zoom so much and other platforms where there's that 
little bit more separation, safety, if you will, yes. of, I mean, what's role playing in a, in a, in a game like, like edge of the empire or pathfinder. Um, we're talking about projection, right? We're going all the way back to Freud who say what you will. He had some awful ideas. And at the same time, he was probably a century ahead of his time in terms yeah. of the stuff he got right. But the defense mechanisms he and his daughter, Anna Freud, were right about, one of them being projection. Ever notice how some days it's like everyone is angry with you? It's possible, but statistically highly improbable. It's probably you, and you are taking your angst inside, and you're projecting it like in a theater and seeing it on the screens who are other people. That's literally what we do when we role play at the table. So yeah. I think those and other issues that escape me. Right. I, I think it makes sense why this could be such a welcoming community and why gaming at the table can be such a potentially, if not outright therapeutic endeavor, then at least really healthy. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of us just feel really jazzed, really uplifted after we play, even if we just have our posteriors handed to us because of a, of, of a, <laughs> a GM with an agenda. I, again, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just hypothetically. Hey, I mean, it's sometimes sometimes will-o'-wisps and, um, you know, lesser lesser dust mites do get their best of under. Right. Back. Also known as PCs, right? Yeah, under under <laughs> specked elves who strangely mm -hmm. sound like Alan Rickman. Okay, so. so what about you though? What about your perspective, Brad? Because like you're asking me, but like you, yeah, I can only into, tell you into I, well, you've been into playing though way longer than I have. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I can tell, I can tell you just based off of my observations online. There is obviously um, a use of role playing. Um, and gaming in general as a means of finding others like themselves. And that yes. goes without saying, yes, but there, and this goes back, we keep talking about community, but this is truly, I think where people are, get attracted to the community because they have found kindred spirits mm -hmm. um, and everyone struggles in their own way. Everybody struggles in their own way at some point or another. Um, and, you know, outside of even Twitter, listening to other podcasts, yeah. seeing interviews and, you know, even though you and I have not gone to a con or an expo, um, we've watched a lot of video and on-site um, content from these. Um, people are willing to talk about it. So there's an attraction in this community for it. And, there, and yeah. you can obviously tell that people feel better. Again, I'm not a clinician, but you can see how people feel better when they do this as an activity, whether they yeah. are online yeah. or in person. Yeah. Um, and I know that's the case. We've both, you know, we've both come out of our relatively rare gaming sessions and both said, wow, we both feel, well, we'll finish the gaming session. Yeah. We'll click offline. And then a little later we'll be texting saying, wow, I feel pretty jazzed about that was awesome. And, and I yeah. mean, and, and sadly our listeners heard two examples of that where let's face it. Sometimes our sessions as sessions, we have played and or GM. Well, actually we've played just mm -hmm. like with the PCs and NPCs terribly. Oh yeah. And yet it doesn't in any way diminish the pleasure. That's a great point. Cause, cause I think people can sometimes get caught up and or and 
present company, pointing at myself included, you don't want to go into a game ill prepared. You don't want to necessarily not play to your best. But even if it isn't a top tier air quote yeah. um, game, if it's not going to be Twitch or podcast worthy, mm-hmm. um, which ironically, other than our couple, that's where most of our gaming has occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, they've always been positive and we I've, I remember coming down thinking, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this today. I'm not feeling it coming out of it. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a, mm-hmm. whether it's an endorphin rush or just a good feel. Yeah. Um, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was sorry. You just, you got me thinking. I didn't mean to cut you off. You, you yeah. got me thinking uh, about, about right. The, the, you know, the good feels and, and you, you come out of it and obviously there's been a benefit, even if it's temporary, you know, good is good. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think an important thing to consider, though, and we haven't talked about this, but as 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 this unfolds, I think it's important to recognize that the air quotes therapeutic benefit or therapeutic potential of sitting at the table, it's much less akin to earning XP, and it's much more akin to the narrative de- narrative development we see in a game like STA, like Star Trek Adventures. Yeah. Uh, right, because like I, we go back to that scene with Wilson Cruz or we go to real therapy, right? So in a lot of games, D&D, Pathfinder, et cetera, there's XP experience points. And, and what that implies to me is there's a goal. Like, I remember how thrilled I was when my PC with you jamming got to third level. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I know it's like, wah, 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 third level. but No, but like, you could start using psionics at that point. I could start using psionics. Yeah. yeah. And it meant, oh, if, if this character can get to third level, look at what opens up for him at fifth level. That's not that. That's great for gaming. That's not good for healing. That's not good for hopefully returning to or achieving a, a requisite level of of wellness. Alternatively, something like like Star Trek Adventures, where there is intentionally no XP. It's like, mm-hmm. well, then what's the goal? Well, the goal is you your character maybe advances in rank in the story or your character develops some new skills or your character has these stories upon which to draw so that you roll better in the future geez that sounds a lot like life and that's much closer to the goal of actual therapy where it's look there is not typically an end state as a goal beyond how do we help you to feel better how do we help you to learn the requisite skills emotionally cognitively behaviorally socially that's not xp that's mm-hmm. more character growth right so sorry back to you no 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 because i'm gonna i'm gonna make a hard right turn because i was thinking about you, you've you never know. done that before no never um so this is this is out of character for mm-hmm. me um there was an episode of big bang theory where Sheldon decided he was going to stop worrying about making decisions and he was going to use a D- <laughs> he was going to use a D20. I loved that show. Oh, oh my god, up, yes. And he ended up rolling. I just remember that they were at the restaurant yes. and he ended up with something in a buttermilk or whatever or right. he wanted a lemonade or whatever it was. Oh, that's brilliant. 
yeah or he had to roll to use the bathroom and he couldn't and he finally rolled and was able to go um decision making in the gaming world um and um success or fail differs based off of the dice mechanism Mm -hmm. um i just think right now to the to the complexity that i had struggled to grasp of the narrative dice system yeah Yeah. adding adding threat and adding things like that i wonder out loud yep um decision making in the gaming world results in a roll of the dice and telling you whether it was a good decision or a bad decision yeah absolutely there, there are there are i'm seeing increasing systems becoming prevalent where you don't necessarily know the outcome of that right away but is there an ease is there a a mental ease that goes with rolling and saying okay i've got a lot of these difficult decisions i've got to deal with in the real world away from the table mm-hmm. if i play here my decision making may be difficult to make but i know the outcome right away roll the dice yeah have the outcome yeah Whereas in real life, we rarely know the outcome right away. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, literally, you know, I'm, I'm vamping as I sit here, I'm, we're gaming and all of a sudden you hear, Oh, success. Okay. Easy decision or whoops, failure. Well, maybe I can go back and make a different decision and Oh, now it's success. So, um, you know, it, it's funny how that's just something that I observed as we were talking. We could probably talk about this next time more. Um, in in th- fact, I think that's where we should start, Brad. I think yeah. that's exactly the transition point of of carrying us over to the gaming stuff. Yeah, because because we you you and I have riffed on dice like that's what got us into this podcast to begin with. Of man, these mechanics they're trying oh, yeah. to simulate real life. So speaking of different we've talked about different types of dice and the sound they make on the microphone and everything when we game you know so speaking of dice that we might yeah yeah, might have inadvertently purchased over black friday cyber (laughs) monday um let's move on over to the to the gm GM corner corner. so i'm gonna ask you first what's what's been on your desk what's been on your mind what's Um, been in your hands in terms of reading or whatever uh Oh, well, I think you will not be surprised at this. So yeah. it took a long time to, I shouldn't say that. Um, You've ha- you've had a, a real interest, like a passionate interest in Green Ronin's age dice mechanic for quite some time. And, and of course, you know, they're friends of the podcast, uh, Malcolm and the others. We've, we've talked a lot about some of their games and their mechanic, but you and I have been talking offline increasingly about using modern age to, to putz around. Well, you know, I was I was going along with it. That's fine. It's like, you know, okay, do I really want to learn another dice mechanic if we're only going to play it once? And then uh, you had said to me, um, you know, download the quick start to Modern Age, get the PDF and just read through it. And I did. And it's on the desk behind me. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, do I want to play this this three D? I don't even care what we play. I am mm. quite enamored right now. And it's been like a week, so it's probably going to stick for a while. I am really enamored with the age system of the 3D6 and the stunt die. Yeah. Um, and then when I found some uh, some analysis on the probabilities of the roles, and uh, then when you add the stunt mechanic, it's kind of like, okay, this is taking the old D6 
from West End and really optimizing it. Yeah. Uh, in a good way and not in a dumbed down way, in a good way. And then again, when I saw the stats of, okay, so how much does a buff, right? Because it's the 3D6 plus a mod, often two plus whatever. And and as I, I so that has been, I I mean, to the point you mentioned buying dice, to the point of like, I'm I'm looking online of like, where could I go? Or maybe locally, where could I go just to pick up a couple really beautiful new d6s I can't believe I'm saying that, because i have the stunt dice i want to use how about you what's been on your well, no it's funny you bring that up because because you have always been we've said this multiple times you've said it multiple times you love the d6 system um so the idea of that d6 die you have that gold die sitting on your desk it's right here yep, yep. and i've got a bag full of them yep. yep that gold die yep three uh tells me that that you have an affinity for these six-sided die because you know because that's i was gonna say that's how i grew up because that's how i was introduced yeah. to role-playing yeah yeah and so now finding a well-refined system that really leverages that one type, yeah easy to learn yeah yeah um and you know i'm really terrible at, at at throwing out and giving away things but the reason modern age came up is we've been talking a while about yeah. a um, a theme for a game, yeah. A world for a game. Mm-hmm. Um, not and... Star Trek. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not Star Trek. Sorry, Jim. We are not rewriting. Hey, lesson Trek. learned. Lesson yes. learned. Yes. <laughs> um, no, this is something that we haven't seen out there. This is a uh, a world that isn't in any of the major games. It's just something that has piqued our interest. It may yeah. not pique anyone else's. Yep. But um, we're working on it, and we talked about working between a cu- couple different game systems. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, modern age, modern, yeah, because we're right. talking about a modern time period in terms of our like game. a near future. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, this would be a way for us to utilize it. Mm-hmm. So more to come on that, but that's mm-hmm. where I've spent part of my time because you nice. and I have been talking about this. Yes. Um, so I've been back working with um, the modern age material. I've been <clears throat> busy away from the house um, the past week with family. Yep. But um, I brought with me um, right. the the um, the Dune core rulebook. Uh huh. And at um, Cyber Monday, is it Cyber Monday? Well, whatever yeah. the case was. Apparently, all week this week, past week was Cyber Monday. But yeah, well, yeah. much like much like all of 2021 felt like part two of 2020. Also all true. of this week always felt like part two of Cyber Monday. Totally true. Um, but I did pick up a couple items from our friends at Modifius. I picked up the Dune box set and the Game Master yeah, screen. Yeah, nice. Um, so I'm waiting for those, and I'm kind of itching to get into some Dune. And we're, I'm kind of hoping we can have um, some folks on um, from the Dune team and talk about the game. Yeah. But that being said, there were two books that you both of us... <sighs> And I'll leave this. This is this is this is dual GM corner. I'll leave this to you because you're you. Uh, I think we're better. gonna. I I think Brad, we're gonna. You're gonna wait. Okay. I because next because next week we'll have at least one of those books in hand. Okay. My then, my one of them is coming to me tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, Actually, I think you know. What? Yeah. I'm I'm gonna do this live on air. I think mine was told that I was going to get mine today. See, that's um, one of my figures. You know, every and time the, the other one, the other one I we bought from a company 
who's <laughs> 10 miles from me <laughs> but that hasn't shipped yet <laughs> oh i know that's the uh, not that's, even 10 yeah um yeah no mine gets here tomorrow yep yep mine so i think we should hold that my friend because yeah and and then if people if there is no episode next week people know why because we haven't been able to put that down yeah that's a good uh, point but but no so but seriously then we'll we we, we know what we're going to talk about gm corner next week um and then next week everybody will be part two Brad and I are going to continue to explore the topic of mental health at the table. We're going to start out looking at dice mechanics, really ironically going back to the the root, the core of this podcast of why we started this, but specifically on mental health and and other ideas around that of of what we can get from playing at the table or the digital table, especially when we go into it intentionally. So with that, and we really, really mean it as the holiday season approaches. Be well, stay well. We will see you next week.